I'm Dr. Angela. And I'm Candace. And we are the hosts of the Just Be Real Sis podcast. Yes, we are. Do you guys believe in the power of collaboration over competition? We do. Why? Because we're two successful women who know that we are an unstoppable force, especially when we align and focus on what really matters most in life. And so we live our lives this way every single day because we know that the most impactful outcome is a collective win. We believe that women can and should win together. We understand that growth and success, that they're the goals. And we love to live boldly. We love to live authentically and we live unapologetically. So we encourage you to do the same. We embrace our strength, but we also respect our vulnerability. We provide a safe space for ourselves and for others to be genuine, to be celebrated, but most importantly, to be valued. And we never miss a chance to use our voices to highlight people and issues that align with our mission of authenticity and commitment to humanity, because it isn't about being impressive. It's about being impactful. And so we understand the need for real conversations from diverse perspectives because we're more alike than we are different. And when we share our stories, we create the opportunity for mutual understanding and alignment. And guess what? We know that inclusion and honesty, that there are superpowers. And so we don't build walls, we tear them down. The only requirement to join us is just be real, sis. Welcome back to Just Be Real, Sis. Hey, Sis. Hey, Sis. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Good. We are still navigating through this pandemic, but we are pressing forward. So excited to share another episode with you and our special guest for today. I'm so excited about our guest. And we say that at the top of every episode (laughs) because we are, we are just that excited. So I think that we should not waste any time. I think you should go ahead and introduce our guest. Absolutely. So the first thing I will say, if you're listening to this episode, I want you to get up right now. I want you to go get a notebook. I want you to get something to write with. And I want you to prepare because this is about to be a masterclass. I can tell you that for sure. The wealth of knowledge that is going to be shared on this episode, you are in for a real treat. So our guest today is none other than the one and only Lonnie Phillips. Lonnie is the vice president of channel sales at Microsoft, responsible for a $40 billion portion of Microsoft's business. She's been with Microsoft for 23 years and has had several leadership positions within that time frame but prides herself on being the chief transformational officer because if there's one person that I know, and I know many, fortunately, one of her top passions is people and their journeys. Lonnie founded the Women Executive Channel Advisory Board, which is comprised of all female executives with a focus primarily in technology, but she also serves on the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Board. And most recently, she was honored by Global Minded um, in 2020 for her inclusive leadership within technology. So Lonnie, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here among your many accolades. I think the one that I wanna bring forward right now is the fact that you are an amazing person. You are an awesome friend and among the hearts in this world yours is among the most beautiful so we are so excited to have you here and share with our listeners on just be real sis welcome to you thank you so much i hear my bio and i'm like who's she talking about um (laughs) (laughs) so thank you i think i am excited about sitting down with you and candace because you two have such a beautiful relationship and I love the conversations that you have, and I'm just really excited to dig a little bit deeper and see how we can help many more people out there. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, So the first thing is I really want to give people an opportunity to take Sis's advice and take a minute um, if you're listening and please go get that notepad because I know that the information that you guys will gain today um, will be so valuable because I have learned so much in the short time that I've known Lonnie. And I really want you guys to take this information and do something with it. 
Um, you know, we have been doing this podcast well over um, now coming up on two years and our goal has not changed. It has been to um, find like-minded people in different industries and show that we have more similarities than we do differences and how we can have the collective win. And as we wrap up 2020, it's just important to me to know that we're creating impact, that these conversations, they are meaningful and people are really taking notes and going back and applying it to their friend group or their work group. So again, thank you so much for being here. We're super excited and um, just allowing us to really ask you some questions and understand you know, your point of view um, so we're going to get right into it. We just jump yeah. right in on Just Let's Be Real. This. And um, so the first question that I have for you, um, Lonnie, is as a female leader, what has been the most significant barrier in your career? There's been a few because like most women, I'm the first generation that has pursued this corporate path. So I wasn't given a blueprint. And I would say the biggest thing that I had to learn is how to advocate for myself. And how do we talk about our strengths and the things we've accomplished without feeling like we're bragging on ourselves and giving everybody else credit. I would also say that another barrier for me has just been an old mindset. And this was earlier in my journey. We all know that we have perceptions of leadership based on what you see in leadership, meaning you see nothing but men at the table and they all look the same and you're this woman and being a woman of color, you like, where do I fit here? So you might have these stories you tell yourself that's like, you know what, maybe this is not for me because I haven't seen it done before and no one's really told me how to do it. The challenge for me has always been, I've always longed for it. And anytime you have a longing for something, you know it's a calling. And so when you have that longing and calling, you kind of lean in and figure out what you need to do. And the third thing I would share that was a barrier for me was really around not having the network of people that were willing to be transparent about helping me establish a blueprint that could work for me. And that's important. So you understand the rules of the game. <laughs> well, so let me say thank you because now, um, you know, I heard you say you didn't have the blueprint, but again, hopefully for our listeners, um, you've created the blueprint for us. I'm trying. So follow that. Um, and then something else that you said, I, I know oftentimes we, um, many people, we feel like, you know, well, do I really have anything to offer to that conversation? Mm -hmm. um, will my voice be heard if I'm the only one in the room? And, and sometimes we withdraw and we get really quiet. Um, and I think, you know, you're telling us be bold. Um, if it's something that you're passionate about, your voice does matter. Thank you for sharing that. And again, I'm taking notes as you talk. <laughs> oh, listen, we didn't just tell everybody else to get their notes. We are hosting and taking notes at the same time. That's how valuable this information is. <laughs> you can't even wait to, to listen later. We're doing it as we go. Um, so it's so important. And it's interesting that you raise your perspective as a woman of color, Lonnie. And so if you had to choose one primary piece of advice that you would give the next generation of female leaders, what would that be? Courage. You've got to demonstrate courage. And courage is the word that I think is all encompassing. So let me describe it and unpack it a little bit for you. You've got to have the courage to know how to advocate for yourself and when to advocate for yourself. You got to have the courage to be able to talk about your strengths and the areas that you are developing. You have the courage to be able to ask for what you want, ask for the job, ask for the opportunity, ask for certain salaries. You've got to have the courage to really be able to say what needs to be said because everyone else is afraid to say it. You've also got to have the courage to be okay being a little bit different, but really understanding how to leverage those strengths to pull you forward. And I think just for that next generation and something that I'm trying to practice at this stage in my career is really be more fearless and just have the courage. I don't want to be at the end of this journey 
and say, I did not accomplish all the things that I wanted because I was afraid to ask. So courage is what I would offer them. Mm. That is a whole masterclass right there. Don't get to the end of your journey and regret not accomplishing or receiving everything that you worked for just because you were afraid to ask for it. Beautiful. This is a this is a masterclass and a sermon. I feel it bundled into one. You get, you get two for the price of one. And my my roots are Baptist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you mentioned courage, and with you know, with courage, you know, we talk about being uncomfortable, and that means that you will have to change something. So change is uncomfortable, and it produces feelings of uncertainty and doubt. So in those that you are charged with leading. How have you helped them navigate change? Well, there's a few things that I would recommend around navigating change. And before I kind of walk you through the strategy of how I do it, I would say more than anything, as a leader, the one thing that I've tried to pride myself on is staying connected to the people who are responsible for the day-to-day execution and just keep a pulse on how they're feeling. And what it has done for me is I've tried to never forget what it felt like to be an individual contributor responsible for day-to-day execution. And I think that's a differentiator in my um, leadership style because I do carve out time to do those skip levels so that and round tables and town halls so I can really deeply listen and connect with them and get in touch with how they're feeling. So when you do sense that there is fear, uncertainty, doubt about who the individual is, what they're tasked to do, I usually handle it different if it's a confidence issue with a person. But let's talk about just change. I work for Microsoft, for goodness sakes, we are known for constant change. So we've had to kind of create a formula for for managing it. And the first thing I would say is you've got to get clear on, as a leader, whenever you're going to announce change, you've got to be able to articulate why are we changing. Really be able to tie it to something measurable. Maybe you're trying to capitalize on a new market. You're trying to gain new logos, whatever it is, you've got to be clear on why are you changing? And then you've got to be able to paint the picture of what the future state looks like and what's in it for them. I tell people all the time, whenever you're talking to individuals, always remember everybody's tuned in to W-I-I-F-M. You know what that stands for, right? What's in it for me. What's in it for me. So yeah. you have got to be able to translate it for them to help them understand what's in it for them. Then what you have to do, once you sell them on the future state, the vision and the why, then you have to remember to tell them what are your expectations and the milestones so that they know what are the things that we're working towards and the timing. And then you have to make sure that you align all of your communication, your reward systems, all of that internally must be aligned to the new skills and behaviors you're asking your people to demonstrate and the goals that you are set out to accomplish. And then I cannot stress enough the importance of communication. Just over communicate. And when you see people demonstrating progress towards the goals, celebrate them. So you should celebrate them along the way. And then just continue to revisit it, which comes back to the communication and let them know how you're doing on this journey of working towards the ultimate goal. And then just make sure you continue to invest where you need to, because sometimes you have a skilling issue. Sometimes you have a capabilities issue. Sometimes we have to decide the skill set we hired for based on the profile we needed 10 years ago is not the profile we need today. We're transforming our business. What do we need? How do we communicate that? Where do we want to invest? So I think when it comes to change, the most important thing for any leader to understand is meet people where they're at, understand where their challenges are, make sure they understand what you're trying to do, and just give them examples of what success looks like along the way and just over communicate. So to me, you've described being a visionary and 
I think that it's just so important. Again, I was taking notes. Um, I really want our listeners to understand that people, they don't function well in ambiguity. And so you talked about making sure that they understand the expectations. And I hope they didn't miss that because it is so important. Um, and something else that you said that, you know, I just want to tie back is you said, I, I, I've not forgotten what it's like to be an individual contributor. And so for me, what that says, if you were my leader, is you understand my why. You care enough to understand what's important to me. And so then the why becomes bigger than the what. And we don't worry about the what. We tackle that. So um, thank you again. You'll hear me say thank you because I believe in showing gratitude and giving thanks for people, um, especially women of color that have gone the rooms immediately. And that's what I was going to say. Real time. Thank you. Real time gratitude. I will not wait. I've learned that to, to do that with my family and my friends. I will pick up the phone and express gratitude on the spot and they know it's coming. You're getting some on the spot gratitude. So, <laughs> Love it. Love um, it. For that. Beautiful. Yes, I know so, you had a question. Yeah, so I was going to say, as you as you can see, one of the awards that I wanted to make sure we highlighted, Bonnie, that you recently received as well, was that you were recognized among the top 10 most influential women in cloud. And not just because of your business acumen, but as you just demonstrated, because of your innate concern and care for other people. And you've done this in an industry that is primarily dominated by men, so how have you continued to shatter the glass ceiling over and over and over again? And you've done it in stilettos. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Well, I have to tell you, I'm, I still feel like I'm shattering the glass ceiling because um, as we put more focus on diversity and inclusion in the workplace, we're starting to invite more people to the table, right? And so I'm so excited about that. Oh, nothing makes me more happy. But I would say that for me, found my voice and I started using it. But I don't just use it recklessly because there are times when we should use our two ears before we open our mouth. And I am big on listening, seeking to understand before being understood. Those core principles I try to live by. I've also realized that I can't be like everybody else. I'm a terrible carbon copy of everyone else, but I am a one of a kind. And so I really wanted to make sure that I surround myself with people who are like-minded like yourselves and who have healthy self-esteem that really want to see me win and I can be their champion as well. And I think that's also empowered me to continue to pursue more and try to shatter the glass ceiling because you surround yourself with healthy voices that challenges you to be the best version of yourself. And something happened to me about six, seven years ago. And it was no longer about hitting the ladder at every rung. It was about how am I gonna make a difference in this world? And how am I gonna make a difference at this company? And I was just talking to a couple of senior leaders this week and they were asking me like, Lonnie, what does the end game look like? I said, I'm not gonna box myself in. I just know I wanna be a solution to a problem. And I think that is what shatters the glass ceiling because you're not so self-centered. You're very focused on how you can be the difference for the company and in the world. Did I lose you? No. He's just sitting here looking at me. <laughs> we had to leave. We had to create a pause for the wisdom and the greatness. Like very rarely do I see Candace speechless, but she just sat there like <laughs> wisdom had just washed over her whole. It was like, it, it was really one of those, where have you been all my life moments? Yes, um, I saw it. And, and, right. And so. I think, you know, but how do you identify growth opportunities when they present themselves? Like, how do you know? I, I know I get steel, but how do you know, um, you know, this was a growth opportunity and when they present themselves, what can people look for um, to say, okay, when you know, you know? <laughs> Great question, because for me, when I think I can't do it, I don't understand 
I don't, I'm, I'm scared to death. <laughs> and I think it's gonna be that career limiting move. <laughs> I say, that's something I better look into. But I like to be challenged. You cannot be a person who thrives on comfort and, and be able to recognize growth opportunities. You've gotta be a person that thrives on challenge to recognize growth opportunities. And I usually lean in more whenever those growth opportunities scare me to death and I don't think I can do it. And I have a great example. I was leading our central region and I had all the technical sellers and the deep technical experts. And I had done the job for a few years and my leader at the time had gone on to do another job. And his boss said, I would love to ask you to be our interim. And at the time I was the interim vice president of sales for our mid-market. And I said, okay. I thought low risk, give me an opportunity to learn the job. But I was scared to death. I knew it was an opportunity and a growth opportunity. I knew it wasn't the next stage in my career journey, but I knew it would give me visibility to a lot of challenges that they face at that level that I would not have seen as a director, a senior director. But I was scared to death. I still remember having to kick off a huge event. And I was so nervous because all the executives were in the audience and we had a whole bunch of partners in the audience and I couldn't shake my nerves. So I had them play Pharrell Happy on the, um, they played the music, you know, so it filled up the room. And all I could do when I got up there is I said, I'm going to be Ellen. I'm going to be Ellen. I'm just going to have to shake these nerves. And I got up and I just said, I said, play happy. And I just started dancing. <laughs> and it <laughs> calmed me sure. down. And they got up and danced and they began to have fun. And it was really the start to me standing in the fullness of who I am and who I was meant to be. And fast forward. He asked me if I wanted to apply for the job and I said, no. I knew that one wasn't my opportunity. He said, well, what do you want? I said, I wanna run sales for the Midwest region. I wanna compete for that job. So I, he said, okay. He's like, you don't want this? No, I will stay in this job as long as you need me to. And then when it's over, let's talk about how I could lead sales for the Midwest region. Cause I wanted to do it for larger accounts. He said, okay, fast forward. I did that job for eight months, y'all, as an interim. And it was time for me to hand it over to the new leader and I was competing for the other job. I'll never forget the day that they called me and said I had the job. I went to my husband and said, oh my goodness, I just got this job. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> They're gonna figure out that I don't know anything. I'm a fraud. This is it. This is what's going to end my career. <laughs> this is it. This is going to be a public embarrassment. And my husband looked at me and said, you got this. Because now it's time for you to step into all that preparation you've had for eight months. It's time for you to show up. And guys, it's stuff like that. When you're willing to be scared and do it anyway, lean into that fear and recognize that there's going to be some growth moments but there's also a lot of moments where you're gonna be able to share so many strengths and birth all of that stuff that's been in you that you've been nurturing for years. It's gonna be called to the table. And I am so grateful that I didn't let fear keep me away from it. So I hope I answered your question, Candace. Absolutely, you did. I think you answered like four, quite honestly. There were so many things in there. I think a couple of things I wanna raise out of what you said. You were not afraid to say no just because it was the first opportunity that came your way. And I think when people sit in that space of being in between opportunities, there's this tendency to just say yes to the first thing that comes as opposed to being very clear about what it is that you want and then being patient enough to work and wait for it. So that is the lesson that I took out of what you just said. The first opportunity may not be the best one. The only way you're going to know that is if you have really done the work to figure out what you really want. So that was 
a lesson, another one, <laughs> another lesson. So I want to use some of the language that you use to describe yourself. You say that you like to lead with empathy and action, and you like to build inclusive cultures. So what is something that you've learned on this journey uh, as a people leader? Oh, gosh, that's, I'm, I've learned a lot and still learning. <laughs> um, if I had to sum it up in one statement, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's the key. You have to let people know you care. And the only way you can let people know how you care is to just invest time in getting to know them, what's important to them, what drives them, their why. I would say that empathy has been a big learning for me over the last decade plus because you're starting to hear about it more and more. And there's so many reasons why. I mean, I work for a tech company, a bunch of engineers, type A personality, as you know, I'm type A too. I'm working on that. And I'm a Virgo. That's like the worst recipe right there because perfectionist, all that's mixed all in there together. However, um, Brene opened my eyes to empathy because we had a lot of leaders asking, what does it mean? Am I real? Can, do I have the skills to be empathetic? And let me share with you what she shared with us, which was eye-opening. She said, empathy is not walking in the shoes of another person because you will not have had all of the same experiences that the other person has had. But we all we all have experienced the emotions at some level throughout our lifetime, like sadness, disappointment, anger, grief. All of these are the emotions. And that's what empathy is, is to try to tap into the emotion that they're feeling, right? Now, here's an example that also is eye-opening and a learning for me. You can't stop there. So for example, if someone falls down a whole flight of stairs and they hurt themselves and I'm feeling, oh my God, you could feel their pain. Is that helping them at all? To say I'm in pain and, <laughs> and you're feeling my pain? No, that's where compassion comes in because that is the next level. So you can't just feel their pain or whatever emotion they're having you've got to want to move a step further and move into action. And compassion is you want to alleviate the pain or eliminate that thing that's in their way so that they can move forward. And that is another lesson that I've learned about leadership is I can't just stop at empathy. I got to take it all the way through to compassion. And I would say that the last thing that I've learned is you got to meet people where they're at. Everybody needs a little something different, which puts more work on you as a leader. But if you invest the time there, you will see a loyalty and a commitment to excellence like you've never seen before. So it's, it's interesting that you say that. I just read something this morning that said, if you wanna create something that lasts for a lifetime, it won't happen quickly. It will not. So that's the investment that you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Here's a fun one. Um, that, in, again, I love that example because I think so many people, they do feel, you know, that they lead and, and they, they're, you know, they have emotional intelligence and they aren't, you know, an empathetic leader, but then you can't stop. So again, note to self, just to make sure not just to align, but then, you know, what can we do to, to move forward? Um, love that. Um, but here's a fun one. So what would you go back and tell your younger self? What advice would you <laughs> It's going to be all right, girl. Um, you know, I seriously, I, I would tell my younger self, I was just writing in my journal about this because I, I felt like it was time to write a letter to myself and I'm still writing that letter to myself. 
One is I probably should have gotten counseling earlier in life. And I would have told my younger self, invest in a good therapist. Because we all need someone that can that is equipped to coach us through difficult times and to help us manage trauma that happens in our lives so we're not carrying that baggage along with us in all these relationships and just ruining and sabotaging things unnecessarily. So that's one thing I would do because I didn't do it earlier in life. Since then I've seen therapists, but I would have told my younger self to do that. Secondly, I would have told her to take more risks. I took some risks, but I, I should have taken more risks. And I would have allowed myself to travel the world a little bit more. I probably would not have subscribed to stay in one job and work there for 30 years and retire. I probably would have gotten clear earlier around, is it about career progression or is it about making a difference? Because if it was about career progression, I probably should have been more strategic about my moves. I also would have told my younger self, don't settle for safe and don't stay comfortable, stay uncomfortable. Because that's only when you grow. I think that's when you really grow. And I would have told myself, younger self, um, stop pleasing people all the time. Um, learn to love yourself. I had to learn how to be a mother to myself in absence of a mother. I also had to learn to speak life into myself and not seek that in other people, especially when they didn't have it to give. And I also would have told her, choose your friends wisely and the people that you keep, that you keep in your inner circle. Because then when you're younger, you're just trying to fit in. And then as we get older, we realize that eh, fitness, yeah, that's underrated. I don't care about that. I really want to be around people who challenge me, who see, who cause me to, to be at a higher self, to show up in the world better, to be a difference, who sees things in me I don't see in myself. I, I've just learned to put those people around me. And it's okay that it's a few people because we don't need a whole lot of people around us. So I'll stop there because I'm still writing that letter. <laughs> I would, I really want, you know, our listeners to go back and um, take this advice because um, two, two things that you said um, about when you write yourself a letter. So um, you don't know this, um, but of course this does. Um, I did that exercise um, and it was six, it was probably six to eight months before we started doing the podcast. And in the letter, I said, Candace, I hope that you are um, living out your dreams and you're recording your podcast the way that you wanted to. And then, so I did it within my company. Um, I get the letter on a, the first day that we recorded our first episode. I get the letter in the mail and it just, I said, well, this was a, a moment. Like this was something to be celebrated. Um, and so when you, when you think about writing yourself a letter, I hope everyone takes that advice. And something else that you said um, recently, I said, we listen to ourselves, that voice in our head. And I don't want people to stop listening to themselves, but start talking to yourself more, feeding yourself. That is so important. It is important because I've learned that it's dangerous to be in my head. You really need adult supervision in my head because I can go all over the place. And I've had to learn to interrupt negative thoughts because you can sabotage yourself, sabotage opportunities just by the conversation that we have in our head. And so I am learning the power of really standing in that mirror and speaking positive things to yourself so that you have that positive affirmations, whatever stays in your head so that you can confront that confidence thing. I don't care what level you get to, we all have scenarios where we're confronted with, do I have the confidence to get through this? And I think it's those nerves and those nerves are good nerves. It's just, how do I manage through them so that I don't get stuck? But you're right, you gotta talk to yourself. So not only is it important, and you all probably hear us continuously taking deep breaths because we're trying to, <laughs> 
take this all in. And the first question I was thinking, are you all in tears yet? Because we're trying to keep ourselves together through this conversation because it's one thing for a person to share their words with you. It's another thing for you to feel their words. And that is the difference between you and some of the other people um, who may, you know, do similar work. It, it is who you are. It isn't just what you say. And you you alluded to the importance of your circle. So I'm, I'm going to shift a little bit and ask you this, because you also mentioned that it's small, which <laughs> sister and I both agree with that statement for sure. What is, what's one thing that you bring to your circle? And then what's one thing that you expect from your circle? I would like to believe that one of the things that I bring to my circle is my friends tease me and say, girl, you're like a walking Oprah, got resources out the wazoo. You're always full of resources. Anything you're going through, you can always find a resource or you don't watch something on TV. So I hope it's just the resources that I have access to and that I'm generous with them. But more than anything, I hope that people in my inner circle feel safe and feel like you don't have to be perfect. Like we all have challenges and that she's not judging me. It's absent of judgment. She just sees who I am and who I wanna be and she loves me unconditionally. And then from there, we build on that. So that's what I hope I bring. And I hear that a lot. What I expect the same, I don't wanna be on a pedestal. I'm not comfortable on a pedestal, although the world has a tendency to put you on it and then they're quick to knock you off. I just always want to be grounded. I never want to be caught up in the hype because that is not why I do it. I do it because this was hard fought. I had to learn it the hard way over time. And that is what I believe my mission and purpose is in life is to find a way to share it with others. And my heart is for developing and growing leaders because I've had so many lousy ones, but I've also had some good ones and I've learned a lot on the way. And that's where I'm trying to be the difference there. But for me, I do enjoy the girls that don't judge me because I like going to Target. I'm okay walking in Walmart or a hole in the wall. But when you see me and you think, oh, she's only this type of person, she only does that. I don't wanna be in that box and I don't want people to expect that of me. Yeah, so I'll go in Chanel and buy a bag or a Louis or whatever, but that's not who I am. That's just something I'm doing and enjoying the moment. Really the girl who I am is that girl who likes to hang around in her PJs with her slippers on and her hair in a bonnet with no makeup on and her husband and her boys are around her loving on her or her girlfriend on the phone making her just kiki for hours. That is really who I am at the core and I don't wanna lose that girl because mm -hmm. that's who I am at the core that just I'm trying never to lose no matter what comes my way. I don't wanna lose touch with her because then you get all caught up in the hype and you lose the real mission and vision of what you're trying to do. And that's help others. Sis, you, you've said that many times, don't believe your own hype. And I, I just love that. Now back to the Chanel bag. <laughs> my, my, uh... I knew that was coming. I knew that was, I was like, sis is going to miss the whole conversation and she's going back to the bag. Like I knew that was coming. Yeah. I'm a bad girl, so I'm gonna tell you right now, you need the shoes, bag, or jewelry, all right? Listen, let, let's I'm talk about securing this bag. So that, that brings me to my next question. Pay equity has been such a hot button. Um, it's been an issue and a topic amongst senior executives, investors, and boards. So it's important, you know, and it, I, I think it seems obvious, but I think pay equity needs thoughtful framing to convey the strategic relevance of it. Any advice around how you've been able to frame that conversation? Well, before I can tell you how to frame a conversation, let me tell you, here's a nugget all of you need to write down. You need to test, test the market and test your value on the market every two years, period. That's the, put a period at the end of that sentence. 
And let me tell you what that will do for you. One, it will demonstrate your value on the market. You will do some interviews and keep yourself sharp. Some of these opportunities, you're gonna get offers. You're gonna have something on paper that you could even take back to your company and say, as much as I've gotten value from working at this company and these are the things I've contributed, I feel like I have to explore other opportunities as a result because I'm getting offers like this. And you don't necessarily have to show them the offer, but you can tell them what the offer looks like. And I'd like to have my compensation under review. I would just say testing the market also will help you determine if you have gotten too comfortable, meaning the skills you're developing are not even valued on the market anymore. So I just can't stress that enough. But if you do that every two years, the framing of that conversation becomes easier because you'll be able to focus on the value you bring and that you know you bring because you tested the market and you've gotten the feedback. Two, you can anchor on where are you trying to go? And then you can just state that I'm concerned that I'm not being paid equitably for what I bring to the table. And I would just ask that you do a compensation review and report back to me your findings. Most teams will do the work and come back to you with something. And nine times out of 10, if you're accurate, you'll probably see a nice, nice raise during that time or over a short period of time because they're gonna to wanna to make it right. But I can't tell you how powerful it is to just test the market so you know your value. See, that's where confidence comes from, from knowing. And when you know that within yourself because you're looking at all the opportunities you've had, the people you've talked to, you know what they want on the market. When you stand before your boss and have to have that conversation, you can stand in a confidence without the arrogance and just ask the question. And they have, they have the choice whether they wanna do it or not, but you have the choice at the end of that. Do I accept that or not? And then you have opportunities out there and you're now building a new network that you'll be able to tap into that you'll be able to walk away from it all, period. I hope I answered the question in a roundabout way. Did I? It was not roundabout, um, it was correct, <laughs> because that's just how you show up in the world. And that right there, Lonnie, just changed somebody's life. I, I can tell you that right now, because there is someone sitting somewhere that is trying to figure out what to do. Do I stay? Or do I go and how do I navigate through this space? And you just gave them the blueprint. And you also equipped them with the knowledge and the strategy to show up in the room and advocate for your worth. Not just know it, but walk in and be able to strategically advocate for it. Game changer. And provide some receipts if you need it. Um, Listen, keep them. Keep, keep the receipts. So if you get an offer, if they give you a ballpark for what they're paying, those are receipts, because you can quote competitors, mm -hmm. you can quote what people are paying for you. So, and that's where you'll really start to see, are you valued? And can I say this, because this is on my heart, it just spoke on my heart right now. Because there's a lot of people out there that are questioning if they feel that, uh, are they valued? If you are not valued, and you are staying on that job because it's a paycheck, that is a recipe for failure and you're waiting for them. You've put all of the power on them. Take your power back. And the only way to take your power back is to go out there, have the courage and just test the market and see, are the skills that I have developed over the last X number of years valued on the market and what are they valued at? And you start to dream a bigger dream for yourself to say the art. I was like, what is possible? What is it that I'm not doing that I could be doing? So just keep your mind and heart open to the art of what's possible. I hope that helps somebody. It helped us. Like, he <laughs> means somebody. I see Candace like shaking her head like, my goodness, I'm waiting for Candace to wave her hand in the air and, <laughs> and stand up out of her seat. <laughs> Do that. <Listen>. <laughs> <laughs> to get all into it. 
so I know one thing, Lonnie, because first of all, that was just amazing. That's the only word I can come up with. I know something that is very important to you is your legacy. And it's something that you focus on every single day, every single day. You want to make sure that you're making a lasting difference in the world. So if you had to choose two words, just two, that you want to be associated with that legacy, what would they be? I think you already said it. Difference maker. And that's it. And, and that's who you are. That's who you are. That's all I care about now is being, I just want to make a difference. That's it. That's it. I want to know when I close my eyes for the last time that when people get up and talk about my life, I don't want it to just be focused on all my accolades. I want them to talk about the difference I made in their life, period. You have been pouring into us. And what I would like to know is what brings you joy? Um, what feeds your soul? This, um, this feeds my soul. I know when I'm doing work like this or I'm talking to another person who's had some challenges in their work, I know I'm operating from purpose in something that brings me joy. What also brings me joy is, like I said, just hanging out in my PJs. I'm telling you, I'm a lounger. Um, watching trash TV or something smart on TV that I can learn from. Um, hanging out with the boys. I have introverts. I'm on the border. I used to be an extreme extrovert. Now I'm kind of, I still need that time to refill my tank in isolation. But my boys have taught me that over the years. I enjoy traveling. That brings me joy. But more than anything, I love being in the company of like-minded people, small group, where we're sitting down, listening to each other, loving on each other, supporting each other, pouring into one another. Um, that brings me so much joy and it fills my tank up so that I can give from the overflow. Um, I will stop there. Cause I, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that make me smile and make my heart smile, but that brings me like deep joy. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so there's, there's one more thing that I, I wanna talk about. And I can't believe we're almost at the end of this conversation because we can have this conversation on and on. And I'm sure our listeners are like, no, it can't be over already. <laughs> but I, there's one part of your journey that I really want to highlight because I think it is part of the journey, particularly when you're in corporate America or when you are career oriented. And that's your journey as a mom. <laughs> because I know that it is super, super important to you uh, and your adorable son that you have to be a mom and to be an amazing wife. And so moment of transparency, I have to tell you, that's one of the things that I take away from our conversations that we have is how important it is when it comes down to it. All of the accolades that you have, the most important thing in the world to you is your family and your circle of friends. Uh, so talk to us and the listeners just a little bit around maybe some of the things that have worked for you in balancing career motherhood and maybe some of the things you would have done differently. Oh my God, a lot of things I would have done different. Uh, <laughs> um, for all my young people out there who are thinking about families, who want to bring children into the world, the biggest thing I would tell you to do, freeze eggs, freeze them early, before you even decide what you're going to do. Just freeze them just in case. I was that woman who really pursued the career and didn't think I would have children until I met my husband, who longed to be a dad. And through the love and the relationship we had, I decided to have kids. That was a difficult journey for me. And I did it a little later in life because I kept having one upset after the other. I would just say, you can have it all. I think you have to recognize, some people say you can't have it all at the same time. I just don't think everything can get the same level of priority at the same time. So I am a firm believer in work-life harmony. Find harmony. So for me, some of the biggest things that I've learned as I have been 
on this journey of motherhood and also being married is only one career can lead at a time. It's tough to have two hard charging career people whose jobs are taking them in different places and they're climbing the ladder. And then what's gonna happen is it's gonna pull you further and further away, especially if it's like really high powered roles, right? So my husband and I've had to navigate that. And then life threw us a curveball to give us a kid, kiddo with special needs. And we had to sit down and go, all right, who's going to prioritize staying home to make sure this little guy here gets everything he needs so that we don't have to hire someone to do all the work. And so over time, my husband and I decided, he says, you enjoy that way too much <laughs> for me to ask you to step down from that. However, I'll dial it back and focus on entrepreneurial efforts and being here for our son. And I will forever be grateful for that. And I think as for those that are looking for life partners, you need to look for a life partner that will support ultimately what you want, but be open to doing what needs to be done because sometimes life throws you curveballs. I would also say that I outsource wherever I can. Um, during the week, because I can work very early, go kind of late, um, outsource meals. There's tons of companies out there that you can bring healthy meals in for your family. Try to buy gifts six months in advance. Vacation time, I've learned, um, plan it the year uh, for an entire year and block it on your calendar and let that be your non-negotiable. Um, I do build into every year at least two girlfriend trips. And now that we have had our connections, I think I'm going to build in a third one if you guys will have me. And it could become an annual thing with my other two girlfriends. It's an annual thing. We look forward to it and we're kind of like, all right, where are we going to go? And that way people can plan for it, right? I need that because I don't have a daughter or someone here. So for me, those are all little things that allow me to find that balance along the way. And I just keep an open mind, keep learning from others. If there's no one blueprint and script for this thing, you gotta figure out what works for you and your family. Cause if you have multiple kids, depending on where the kids are on their journey, they may need more of you, less of you. But the thing that I know my husband and I want is we wanna be present parents. And here's a tip. I travel, as you guys know, I've traveled a lot and COVID has allowed me to be home. And my husband said to me the other day, he said he needs a vacation. <laughs> I said, for me, I guess. Um, and he was like, just a short one. I just need a vacation. But I, it did make me think about, I was gone 75, 80% of the time. And I will tell everyone out there, because I see people who don't do this. I always call them kiss you goodbye. We always pray before I leave the house to get in my car to go to the airport. I call you on my way to the airport to let you know uh, things are well. I'll be in the airport X amount of time. You're settled into the airport. I call you before I take off. I call you when I land. Now, these aren't long conversations. It's just a check-in. Usually by then, once I land, he wants to know I got into the hotel and then he's good because time zones are very different where I'm all over the place. I wake up every morning and I call my boys. I text during the day and I don't close my eyes at night until I call them. And people say you make time for them. Well, you make time for the things you care about. I've seen a lot of people stay on this journey that I'm on and they're on multiple marriages. And I just know I can't give all this to my job and neglect my boys. I just can't. It doesn't mean I have to do it all, but I still need to be present because there's no substitute for me. So I hope that helps somebody, but those are all the things that I try to practice and I will never profess to be perfect. I'm a work in progress and I just continue to try to get better. Okay, so Neil Candace is snapping. She's doing snaps in the air after that. <laughs> Hilarious. There's no substitute for me. And I promise I saw gems just dropping like this. <laughs> from the sky. From the sky, sis. Like, just like, from the sky. That's a t-shirt right there. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Like, <laughs> that, yeah. 
There's no substitute for me. Ooh. Glenn Phillips. Write that down. Repost it. <laughs> now the, the doors of the church are open. <laughs> Past collection places. This Past the collection place. <laughs> So, Lonnie, one fun thing that we like to do here at the show is we do something called the lightning round. And it's just where we present two words and you choose the word that means the most to you. It's funny because you've already alluded to one of the pairs. So that's alignment, which we do often. So I'm going to let sis start. It's just like four pairs, but here we go. Okay. What thing comes to your mind? Staycation or vacation? Vacation introvert or extrovert tough one because i'm changing mm -hmm. i'm gonna say i'm gonna can i be on the fence there because i think you could there if i'm around people like you you're gonna get the extrovert and i'll never get tired because you're giving me energy but if I'm existing in the world the way I do and people are pulling at me and I'm having to give, 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 I've got to pull back to refuel. Mm. So it's tough for me. And what I thought about when I said staycation or vacation, since you like to wear your PJs, you just wear your PJs on vacation. There you go. <laughs> How about that? Um, oh, so we just get cuter loungers so they can be confused. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so read a book. Or write a book? Read. Writing is tough. <laughs> She's laughing because I like to give both of you homework in the writing space. <laughs> so that's why both of you are laughing because listen, you can't have this is the this is why. And I'm I'm giving this message to both of you, and you're both laughing because you know what's coming. You cannot carry this level of knowledge, wisdom, and break through experience and not leave it somewhere. You just can't, you just cannot. It's too important and it is too critical for generations that are coming. And so I don't tell everybody to write a book. Can I put that in there? But I'm telling you two to write a book because it's critical. This is beautiful because we get to preserve this knowledge that we're sharing right now on the podcast, but there's nothing more powerful than the written word. And you know that because it lasts for generations and generations and generations. So I need to mine all of that goodness out of those two brains that you all have. And we need to, we need to get it down on paper. So I'll get off my soapbox. Back to the lightning round. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> so Lonnie, seize the day or play it safe. Seize the day. Awesome. I think we kind of knew that that was going to be <laughs> right. So, yeah, so that's the end of the lightning round. Thank you so much, Lonnie. Like I, and I know, sis, you probably are feeling the same way. This has probably been one of the toughest interviews, I think, for me to make it through and keep my composure. Okay. Because you can't see this, but I'm, I'm taking sips from my coffee mug. I have a box of Kleenex next to me. I'm trying to make sure that we get the message to everybody else. But I have felt what you're saying. So thank you. Thank, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for inviting me to be a part of this platform. You guys have an incredible following and you know, it is important to me that I am able to share with so many people because I have had to learn it the hard way and I'm continuing to learn. And I have learned that the more I pay it forward, it just the things that come back to me that just gives me more wisdom that I can continue to practice and use and that I can share my learnings even more. So thank you for giving me this platform. And I really hope that it helps a lot of people, but it was fun talking to you, girl. And how, and how can people stay in touch? I know they will want to follow yeah. you, um, to stay connected with you. Can you tell our yeah. listeners? Yeah, I would just send them to LonniePhillips.com, L-A-N-I-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. And you will be able to see all my social handles. I'm trying to use that as the place to curate everything that I'm working on. And I am going to start posting even more resources for people to just have as I come across different things that I think will help them. 
Um, like Sis said, you know, I feel like we've experienced you. And mm -hmm. it's rare in a lifetime when you meet people that you actually get to experience them. So thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. This was so much fun. Don't forget to subscribe and share so we can grow this movement. If you have show ideas or would like to be considered as a special guest, you can email us at justberealsis at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at justberealsispodcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. As always, remember to serve first, stay encouraged, be kind, and just be real, sis.